What is up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Process Podcast. I'm Charlie Witkowski, and I am joined by a special guest today, not Nick Veronica, as usual. <laughs> it is our good buddy, Joe Yearden of Die by the Blade. Joe, how are you doing, my friend? Doing good, Charlie, man. It's uh, nice to be back. It's uh, a little sorry to see Nick not here, but I understand he's he's moving up in the world, so that's okay. Yeah, Nick got a new job, so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be having some uh, some guest hosts filling in for Nick while he gets settled in his new role over there at Channel 4. But, uh, man, we were talking a little bit before, and the first thing you said when I asked, Joe, how are you doing? Your <laughs> words to me were, I can't stop laughing at this <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um and it's not uh mocking laughter when it comes to the sabers it's uh it's more of a wow this is happening again kind of laughter like the the to the point where you can only laugh to to uh to to prevent yourself from just shaking your head off of your neck i guess um it's uh it's impressive that things have gotten to this point it's even more impressive that the, the discussion at following uh, their three-two loss to the Rangers was that everybody's like, "Wow, Dylan Cousins got in a fight. How cool is that? That <laughs> things are to that point where your 19-year-old rookie—I think he's 19, yeah, 19-year-old rookie—is yeah. uh, getting in a fight. That's that's enough to be like, well, hey, some emotion at last. I think uh, the the other thing I saw interesting about all of that with. Uh, Dylan Cousins was now people like, oh, take take the C off of Eichel and put it on Cousins. I'm like, all right, relax. Like, I understand why, right? Like, a lot of people feel like Eichel is not the leader that he should be wearing the mm-hmm. C, but you're not going to put the C off of Eichel and put it on a, a 20, 19 year old uh, Dylan Cousins right no. now. No. And but the craziest got in a fight. Like, yeah. And you know what? The, I think the thing people are forgetting here is that Eichel's playing pretty banged up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I know Ralph Kruger got raked over the coals for uh, uh, playing loose with the truth uh, regarding uh, when he was injured, how he was injured uh, last week. Um, but I mean, he, you know, he had uh, he had an offseason injury that that kept him out of uh, the beginning of training camp. There's no way he's just dealing with the one injury that he had against New Jersey. I think he's he's dealing with a lot because when you see him out there getting pushed around, Jack's. Jack's one of the strongest players I've ever seen. Um, and to see him get pushed around like that, I mean, he's strong on his skates. He's strong, you know, upper body. He's strong all over. To see him get pushed around easily by by other by opponents, uh, that ain't right. And, and some people have taken that to mean that he's not putting in full effort. Well, I remember discussions like that happening with Joe Thornton when he was a Boston Bruin and people started killing him in the playoffs. And they said, what's wrong with this guy? They blew a, you know, they blew a lead to the Canadians in the playoffs. This guy stinks. Get him out of here. Well, Joe Thornton had like a displaced rib in his rib cage and tried to play through a seven game series with it. And everybody was like, Oh, uh, oops, sorry. Like that didn't come out until after he was already wearing San Jose shark teal and uh, won the MVP that season. But, um, but I mean, the, when things are kept quiet and, you know, I get it. NHL, they don't like to discuss injuries. Fine. Right. You know, whatever. Uh, Vegas will have a say with that when it comes to uh, betting lines and, <laughs> and, and whatnot in the future uh, as to, as to how clear people can be about injury uh, worries. But, um, but if a guy that's that good and is that proven is, is looking that far off, if he's doing it because he doesn't care anymore, I mean, 
he's going to be way more off than just getting pushed off the puck. Like that, that's, that's, that's something that comes with, with a lack of health. I mean, even watching him tee up a one-timer the other day, you could see him wince and pain from it. So, I mean, cut the guy a break, stop ripping the C off his Jersey because he didn't fight. He literally last season, he got in a fight with a, with a wild player. And the team didn't respond last year or anything they did the way that they, you know, after cousins got in a fight, you heard a Pozo and the, Oh man, they really fired up the team guys. You had five shots after the fight. Like what, how did it fire you up? I don't understand that on the Jack Eichel point though. There, there's a few things. I understand where you're coming from. I, I do think he's still injured. I've been one of those guys early on this season who on this show said, maybe the time has come to trade Jack. Uh, really not thinking so much about him being hurt, but so more so about him, um, you know, just not producing the way that we expect him to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I'm past that. I'm like, you know, maybe now that I've sat and thought about it a little, little more trading Jack is not the way to go. But at the same time, over his time in Buffalo, like you've expected him to not necessarily take that Connor McDavid control of the team, right? And and play uh, McDavid-ish style of hockey, but you expect him at the same time to at least come out and be able to produce night in and night out. And that's something that we're not seeing from Jack. And you seem to be saying that that's more because of he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Is, is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, it's that's that's a that's a major factor of it. Um, mm-hmm. I would say another part of that is um, what the Sabres are, aren't doing uh, when they've got the puck. Um, I've seen, there's been a lot of criticism of, of Ralph's offense saying it's a dump and chase offense. Well, it's not really that no. um, they they're, they're able to, to get the puck into the zone. The problem is that when they get in the zone with the puck, they're not doing anything with it. Um, the, the main thing that they're doing with it is taking shots from the point, which, extremely low percentage opportunities it's not like the nba you're not going to get an extra you're not going to get an extra goal if you if you put one in from out and beyond um and it's certainly not the kind of shot that's going to produce offense for you especially if you don't have guys crashing the net or creating traffic in front of the goalie right um and let's face it guys like jack i don't want them in front of the net i want him being creative i want him in the middle of the ice i want him caught you know just you know just making a fool of everybody on the on the opposition um but when when the entire offense is staying away from the middle of the ice it's really tough to generate anything and teams want to push their opponents to the outside the sabers until recently were very good about doing that in the zone i mean they they were not a lot they don't allow they didn't allow quality opportunities and you know when they're playing well that that's exactly what they don't do especially under ralph ralph's been able to get that part figured out um, but on offense, if you if all you're allowing yourself is plays along the wall and plays out high, you're not going to get anything going. And uh, you know we're able to see some guys able to generate some things. You know we saw Jeff Skinner able to get in close last night and again get robbed. <laughs> um, you know we're able. You know you're able. Yeah, you know, and you know Sam Reinhart can make a living down and low by the goal. He had a tremendous goal uh, last night to to kind of calm the fires for for a little bit early. You know, in the first couple minutes of the game, but. Um, but guys like that, you know, even Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall can push to the net and he, you know, guys like that are really great off the rush and they don't really generate anything off the rush. They're not a, they're not a team that's going to counter attack, uh, because they're not set up defensively to do that. And I think that goes away from what the strengths of this team are. You know, Jack's got a ton of speed. Taylor Hall's got a ton of speed. You know, Skinner's great at creating turnovers in the neutral zone and high in the off in the defensive zone, because he's got an active stick and he's, he's an opportunist. So, 
you know, when you're backing in constantly and, and, you know, keeping the gap so that, you know, you're letting uh, the, the opponent kind of push you back into your own zone, not great. And, you know, it's great if you want to muck and grind out games, but, you know, only, only two lines, maybe one line of this team is really good for, for doing that because otherwise uh, you're, you're working against what, what, the strengths are for the squad. So, um, you know, I think the offense needs a much longer look at, I mean, the fact that they can't score five on five is a huge problem. And, (laughs) you know, and we saw last year what happens when the power play stops functioning uh, for a while and it ends up costing them games. So uh, there there's, I mean, when you're playing this poorly and you're, you're down this far in the standings, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to comb through and there's a lot of problems and there's no wonder that everybody is clamoring for something and latching on to anything. That's why I mean, that's why I understand why everybody's like, hey, thank God Cousins fought, but I don't want him fighting. It's not the guy I need fighting. I don't need anybody fighting. I need people scoring goals. So let me ask you this. Two two parts, I guess, to this question. One, you t- you mentioned that they're they're getting in the zone. They're taking a lot of shots from the point. Mm-hmm. From what I've been seeing, and 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 maybe it's just from my point of view watching the game. It seems like again they have no problem getting in the zone, but as soon as they get in the zone, they're feeding that puck back up to the point, mm-hmm. and tr- again trying to generate everything from there. The, my question to you is: Is that the Ralph Kruger system? One, and then question two is going to be: Everyone wants to point the finger right now. In your opinion, where should we be pointing the finger? Is it coaching? Is it players? Is it GM? Is it ownership? Where should we be looking to point that finger if people are so hungry right now to blame somebody? Well, I to answer the first part, um, Ralph's offense is a little difficult to really put a finger on, um, mm-hmm. just because of that. But the way it's the way it's being played right now, it sure seems they want to run things through the point. Um, which I mean, hey, when you've got Darlene, when you've got wrist to line, and you've got guys that can get shots through, um, it's not a terrible thought, um, but the execution of that at five on five, when when teams are, are willing to give you that outside shot and protect down low, truth is you're not going to get a lot of room to get pucks through. And mm-hmm. you know you can you can do all the things in practice you want to. You can put up those put up those foam blockers and everything to try to shoot around, but um, but that's not going to prepare you for for guys that are able to get out high and or to to come out and challenge those shots and. And to to block the shots in close, down low, and clear clear away from the goaltender. There's a lot of teams that are just too good at, at boxing out and cleaning cleaning out those areas. Um, and you know what? When you've got skill guys, I don't want the offense running through the the defense. I don't need point shots. I need I need stuff to happen down low. I need guys to to be able to flash into the slot. I need guys to be able to disrupt things around the net. I need all of that. You know, it's not just you can't just settle for for one thing and, and hope that it's going to work out every time. It's that, that that's not going to work. It's it's like when if you played a video game and you just you turn the AI all the way up and you kept trying to do the same thing over and over again. Soon the, the computer is going to be like, oh, if they're just going to do this, this is easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, human, you know, human coach teams, they're going to figure it out. If you're just going to shoot from the point, go ahead, take it have fun. Like if it gets through, you know, Hey, good. You know, you had some good luck or we did, we did something wrong on our own, but if you're taking away all those other options, it's, that's easy. You're making, you're making life easy for other teams by, by not pushing uh, other buttons uh, as for whose fault. Well, 
there's so many ways you could go with this with this answer. Yeah. Um it it requires a deeper analysis of everything. It, you know, right now you can point the finger at coaching because of the offense not not working. You can say that they're not doing anything different. Uh if you want to blame the players for that, okay. I guess you can, I guess you can do that. Um if they're not executing what Ralph wants, then that's a problem, but if what Ralph wants is bad, you know, it's a chicken or egg thing. So, uh, so there's that. If if Ralph has a has a roster of players that aren't meant to play his type of offense the way he wants, then that's on the GM. Um, and if the, you know, if Ralph's offense is to bomb away from the point and and just get deflections and garbage goals all the time, then okay. I mean, that that's a way to live. But this roster is not made up for that. You know, when you go out and sign a Taylor Hall, you're not meant to to be a muck and grind team. You're meant to be an up and go and and be creative with the puck team. Like that's that that should be that should be pretty evident with that. But you know the bottom end of the the, the offensive part of the lineup is not really made up that way. You know when you've got uh, Opozo and Eakin and 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 Toby Reader. I mean Reader's Reader's proven to be a pretty effective signing, and that's nice. But um, but I don't want him playing 18 minutes a night either. Um, you know I don't need I you know I don't need Riley Shahan playing 17 minutes a night. I don't need Curtis Lazar. You know you know, aside from Eichel being out, I don't need him playing that many minutes. I, you know, those are good, those are good players for what their role is, but you know, uh, they, they have shortcomings elsewhere and most of them are on the offensive side of the puck. So, you know, if, and you know, the defense, I mean, we picked apart the defense, you know, Darlene is, has slipped back, but you have to question it, whether that's, you know, because of Ralph and his system. And if they're trying to make him do things, he's not meant to do. Um, but you could say the same about Yoki Haru. Yoki Haru's had had a had a lacking season, you know. For all the improvements uh, people have pointed to Rasmus Ristolainen having and Jake McCabe has had um, before he went out, you could you can credit Ralph and Steve Smith for doing that. But at what cost did it come to guys like Yoki Haru and Darlene and and even Colin Miller to that respect? So um, for for every step forward, it seems like there's two or three steps backwards they've made in other areas. So. Um, that, that points to the GM that points to the coach that points to the ownership for putting their faith in those guys to do it. So honestly, it's, it's a wheel of wheel of misfortune that you can spin and, and you know, you can pick whose fault it is no matter what. I mean, you can, right. you can single somebody out and say it's their fault, but then it points to two other, two other people to say it's their fault too. So that's a bad place to be in. That is, that is the bad place. That's that's staring the girl from the ring coming out of the well, and you're just like, oh boy, we've we've really screwed up here. This is this is getting this is getting really bad. I've been, you know, on the side of at least again from what I was watching before, and this is before the two shutouts against um, Philadelphia over the weekend. But mm-hmm. you know, I've been on the side of man, these players are just you, you can't sit here and tell me that it's coaching because. The players are getting their opportunities, they're getting their chances, they're just not finishing. And it seems like everything that Ralph was doing was right. But after this past weekend in you know against Philadelphia and the game last night, and really not seeing much of a change, I'm starting to go more towards looking at this this coaching staff and saying, what are they willing to do different to help this team out to get better? I mean, putting Pozo on the second line is not that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't know what the love affair is with, um, with Kyle Pozo for one by this coaching staff and, and two, uh, Victor Olison does not deserve to be on the first line. I understand you can leave him on the first line on the power play. That's fine. That's where he's going to excel. Mm-hmm. But he's not a five on five goal scorer. 
I'm also not at the point right now where I'm ready to say, you know, put Skinner on the first line or even the second line because he has not shown me much since the end of his 40 goal season where he really didn't do much in the last month of, of, of the season when his mm-hmm. team needed him most, when they were still somewhat, I mean, you can argue how much, but they were still somewhat in a, in a bit of a playoff race. They came off a of 10 wins and at one point in first place in the league that year and completely fell apart in the last month of the, of, of the season. And Skinner was right there with them. But at the same time, you know, you look at, and rightfully so, right? This fan base wants answers. This fan base wants to look and and get answers from someone, whether that is the GM coming out and speaking or even worse, in my opinion, the ownership coming out and speaking. Because the last time the ownership talked or said anything to the media about what's going on with this team, all we heard was, well, we know better than you guys. We we know more of what's going on than you than than you guys know, and we're right, you're wrong, and that's just how it's going to be. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts? What as far as what's going behind what's going on behind the curtain there, um, down down at the arena and and with this ownership group? I mean, th- they have not been successful in the ten years that the Pagulas have been here. You tried to tank. You mm-hmm. went on on this the, the, this big rant about how you know look things are going to get bad for a while. This team has a negative four twenty three goal differential since Darcy said that there would be suffering. This team has nine regulation wins in the last forty one games. Like, okay, things are bad. Like we get it. <laughs> but what what are you going to do to tell us that that things are going to change, or what are you going to do to change that? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you need to hear from ownership. Uh, first off, I mean, you might. Their reporters want to hear from them because you want to have somebody. You want to have somebody held accountable, I guess. Um, even though that that phrase has lost all meaning here the last eight nine years. <laughs> yes. um, you 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 want to have them on the record, you know, for how they feel about things. But but you're right. I mean, given given Kim Bagula saying that, you know. Uh, saying that two weeks before they they fired Jason Bottrell, because at, in the moment when they were saying they stood behind him, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't need I don't need to hear from Kim. I don't need to hear from Terry. I don't need to hear from them at all. I do need no. to hear from the GM. Uh, I absolutely need to hear from the GM uh, because this is his mess. You know, you can you can point out that there are guys in the roster that he didn't sign or he didn't acquire. That's fine, but you're the guy in charge of it. Um, right. and if you don't want them there and you don't need them there, and if, if they don't fit on the team, get them out. Like just, you know, you have to find a way to get the roster that you need. Uh, so if that's your problem, that's your job, you know, like that's, that's yeah. where, that's where things change there. Um, but when, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Skinner and, um, Skinner's whole career has been a, has been a huge factor of, I mean, it's streaky. There's a streakiness factor, obviously, but, um, but there's, you know, he's, he's forever been a high shot percentage guy because he generates a ton of chances. And the thing I, the thing that I've always stood by and said uh, this whole time, going back to last year when, you know, he wasn't scoring and he was getting buried in the lineup then uh, was that he was still generating his opportunities, still generating shots. Even last year when I was saying, geez, what the hell's wrong with this guy? What, you know, why, you know, what is he not getting the chances? And I looked at it. No, he's, he was getting the chances. He was getting the shots. They just weren't going in. And, you know, if you're going to live and die with a guy like that, you have to understand that there's going to be ebbs and flows 
like that and that some days it's just not going to go in and some days and there's a lot of days when it will you know the year he scored 40 he he was shooting for a better part of the season he was shooting at or above 20 percent which yeah. is obscene i mean one out of every five shots going going past the goaltender is nuts that 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 stuff doesn't happen that that stuff happens when you're an enforcer and you take 10 shots in the year and you put two of them by like that's that's right. how you shoot 20 percent um but you know so when he cooled off in the second half of the year it was just like well yeah that's gonna happen um but last year when he shoots seven you know seven and, and some change percent you know that matched his career low and if shooting seven percent you shoot as much as he does i mean it's not generally bad um like you no. still get to find goals but it's just not going to be in the 30 to 40 range and you know this year obviously shooting zero percent uh, not great, but he's still one of the tops in, in shots and, and scoring chances. So, you know, and the fact that he's doing the couple of guys that play zero offense, I don't know. I'm going to say that's a pretty good thing out of him to, to be able to, to be able to lift those guys up and create those chances. The fact that they're not going in. Yeah. It's frustrating. It stinks. Um, but it's not like the opportunities aren't there. It's the problem. The time you get worried about that is if, um, if he's scoring zero goals and not generating anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, I mean, it's cliche to say that because guys will, you know, guys in the room will tell you that all the time. You know, Jack, when he goes cold, he'll say, you know, the chances are there, the opportunities are there. If they weren't there, then, I, then I'd be worried. But, I mean, that, that goes without saying. You know, if the, if the opportunities are there, eventually they'll start going in. It's just that right. Jeff's snake bit. Snake bit like crazy. Taylor Hall is snake bit like crazy. Jack Eichel is broken and snake bit. You know, all these guys that have that 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 should be scoring are having career worst slumps. And yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, that that sucks straight out. And that's a big right. reason why things aren't going positively. But I mean, them's the breaks. But that's when you can start pointing the finger around and saying, like, well, is it the offensive system? Well, yeah, it probably is. Um mm-hmm. Victor Olofsson struggling as much at five on five. That's a whole other ball of wax, uh, right. as far as I'm concerned. Because you know, the you know, when he started off last season scoring, you know, his first six goals of the year were were all power play goals. And everybody said, Well, when's this guy gonna score five on five? And then he finally did. And he rattled off a few, and it started to look like things were turning around on that side. But right now he's not he's not really accomplishing a lot at five on five, and that's that hurts. I mean, yes, he's great on the power play. Um, if this was international hockey and you could have 13 forwards, I would have him be the 13th forward and the power play came out. It was time to load up, you know, get him a couple of shifts here or there, but I don't need him on the first line. You know, I, I would much rather see Skinner there, honestly. Um, just because, I mean, yeah, you're loading up, loading up the, you're loading up the, uh, the wagon for that, but I mean, it's shown in the past it works, right. <laughs> you know, um, you know, you know that that line can score, and you know we saw a peak of it against in one of the games against Philly, and they had they generated seven shots for, and they only had one shot against. I don't know, man. Sounds good. It sounds like something that they haven't been able to do all year, but for whatever reason, Ralph does not like those three together. You know, and you know again, it's not you know Ralph doesn't have to divulge that, but might help to give a little peek behind the curtain to let us know what, you know, why you don't want that to work. And, you know, I understand they're trying to make Victor work and maybe they don't think he'll, he'll produce anything lower in the lineup. And you're right. trying to give him a shot with that. But at this point, if he's dragging the other, the other guys on his line down by, by being there, then you gotta, you gotta figure it out. Like that's, that's, you gotta, you gotta juggle the lines up in a, in, a, in an actually solid way and not in a way that puts guys like, 
you know, Kyle Opozo, who's just, he doesn't create offense anymore in the top six. It doesn't put a guy like Cody Eakin in the top six. Lord help us all if that happens, but, right. um, or Tage Thompson for that fact, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think Tage has a, had a lot of hope there, but that game against Jersey, he looked really bad. And, you know, the, I mean, never mind, never mind the blind pass behind him to, to nobody, but. Um, so that, that blind pass real quick, what was worse <laughs> with that, that blind pass to that went right on the stick of Wilson or Wilson's drop pass to nobody when he had like the whole net to shoot. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like it was just a whole sequence of bad passing on both sides of the puck. Both teams. Yeah. I mean, at this point, all the bad stuff just kind of runs together. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's one, a one B one C one D of bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. I, um, but like, you know, I, I feel for Tage because I, I saw a lot of him. I saw a lot of how he played in Rochester, and he looked like a guy that was going to be able to to be a power forward type. And he gets to the NHL, and he wants to be flash and dash. And man, you're six foot seven. You don't you don't have to be flash and dash. You can just right. you can drive the net. You can you can just hang around the goal and and get tips. And like he's got a great shot. He's obviously got good hands. Um, he can do all these things, but. Wanting to show that off at that level, man, guys, guys are going to whack that off the stick every time. Like, <laughs> you try to get too cute with it and toe drag and do all this. Like, okay, maybe you'll draw a penalty, but score, score goal. <laughs> you know, pass off to somebody who's open. Do do something different. That's another thing too with this team that I've noticed with them in the offensive zone is, especially the last night, you're down by a goal and they seem to be getting in and and generating chances. Obviously, hitting the net seemed to be an issue, but they would get in the zone later in the third period and they would try to get way too cute with the puck. They try to do too much. I think there was a sequence last night where uh, Eichel was trailing coming into the slot and I forgot who it was sent Eichel beautiful pass right in the slot. Instead of shooting the puck, Eichel tries to pass it um, and shot gets blocked and, 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 and gets out of the zone. I'm like, why that's a shot that we would always see Eichel take. I feel like we're not seeing Eichel taking enough shots right now. And that's causing some of his um, – he, he's become more of a, a, of a pass-first type of player, which, again, that's just from my eyes. I'm not saying I'm an expert or anything like that. But when Eichel's trying to change his game from being a shoot-first guy, which is what we've always seen of him – and don't get me wrong. I know he's not a pure goal scorer like a Connor McDavid, right? He's not a guy that's just going to go out there and – score five goals a game like like McDavid has so many times. But you're expecting to at least see him want to come out and 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 shoot the puck. And he just wants to look for the pass so much more. And I, I don't understand why. I I think there's a pressure that comes with him being the guy being the leader and all that where um where he's he wants to lift up his teammates and get you know get them going. Because if he gets right. them going it makes his job easier. Uh, because if defenses start to lag back to, to watch those guys, he's going to have more open lanes to shoot, ideally. Um, mm -hmm. So I understand that. I understand I, Thomas Vanek did that a lot at the end of his Sabres career, um, you know, after, especially after he scored 40, where teams started really zeroing in on him, um, being the goal-scoring guy. And he was just like, you know what? I'm going to try to set up some of these other guys. I'm going to try to to defer off and, and get them going because it'll make it'll make things with the line run a little bit easier. Um, yeah, I think there's a pressure to do that. It doesn't come from the coaching that that comes from him. That's, you know, right. that's him saying like, let me, you know, let's get Victor going. Let's get Sam going. Let's, let's get somebody else 
some juice here so that this will this will loosen everybody up. Like I get that. That's that's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent where that comes from. But yeah, I mean, there's there's games where he should probably be a little bit more selfish. There's games where he should be shooting more. And you know, it was it's wild to think that there were games last year, even the lat you know the last two years, two or three years even, where if he got one early, if Jack scores one early. And you see him going, you're like, oh boy, this this could be a two or three goal game. This this <laughs> this might be a game where he's going to pop off. Um, uh-huh. But you know, it's it's a lot harder to do that now this year um, for whatever reason. And obviously, he's banged up. Obviously, he's dealing with something. He's dealing with more than one thing. Um, but I mean, it's but as far as you know, looking off and and passing the other guys, I get it. Like I understand it. But you know that that's where. You know, maybe he needs a phone call from Matt Molson again to say, "Hey, buddy, just shoot it." You know, he needs uh, he needs somebody in his ear to be like, "Just forget it, man. Just just take over. You can you can take over. You can do that. You're capable of doing that." But um, but I think that's that's where him being banged up is a factor, and it. it's you know it's a factor of the whole team struggling too. And I, I truthfully, I thought Kevin Adams was going to be in that guy. I thought Kevin Adams was going to come in and have more of a relationship with the players than what it. And I don't know. Again, I don't know how much he has or doesn't have. It's mm-hmm. in, in the times that we're in. You know, unless you have someone on the inside as to what is going on on a daily basis, we really don't know. We're not hearing as much, obviously, from the media side of things and all that. But I thought Kevin Adams would have been that guy that would be right down there in his ear, kind of being, "Hey, like, let's do this." Kevin Adams knows what it takes to win. The guy wants to stay in the cup. You know, and I, and I know that can be looked at in so many ways, but he still won a cup, and that's more cups than what the Sabres have won, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I like Kevin Adams. I know a lot of people feel like he's not the right guy for the role because of how he got there. I don't care how he got there. The guy knows the game of hockey. He seems, at least again, from what we all thought, he seemed to have, like he was going to have a good relationship with the players and Mm -hmm. I don't know where that stands, but how much of Kevin Adams struggles right now, as far as not talking to the media, not being able to make changes to this team, how much of that is the Pagulas not allowing him to be the GM that Kevin Adams should be? Well, I think, I think you could say there's a, there's, that's a factor. Um, you know, as far as, as, as speaking to the media and, and being more open, I mean, that's, I mean, he's the GM. He's, he ultimately can decide like, no, 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 I'm going to face up to this. I'll do it. Um, like that, that, that's, that's really his call. I mean, Jason Bottrell in the, in the last couple of years, um, when he felt it was time to, to discuss things, like he would pull us aside in the hallway or, you know, he would just say, Hey, it's, uh, you guys got questions. So let's, let's pull it together. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe him not speaking is, is, it's part of the factor with how things are different here in, in COVID times where we're not, you know, we're not down by the room. We're not able to see, you know, how hands-on he is, you know, if he, if he's down there a lot or if he's not at all, I mean, we don't know if we, we don't know, like there's, right. there's no way for, for us to understand what the deal is with that uh, and how those relationships go. You know, we, we know that, you know, we, we, you know, we knew how things were with Tim Murray to a degree. We knew how things with Jason Bottrell were to a degree. At least, you know, Bottrell was, was very hands-on. Murray was, Murray was always there, but you know, there wasn't a whole lot of him just, you know, shooting the breeze with the guys, you know, after a practice or a morning skate or any of that, like there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of that. And I, you know, Kevin Adams, I mean, listen, he, he was a player not very long ago. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a comfort level with him being in the room and I'm sure he would have no issue going down there, but I mean, as far as how those relationships are, we just don't know. Um, we there's a lot of things we could say that we want it to be, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's a part of it where he should he should know the temperature of the room and he should know what what's going on there. But um, as to whether or not he's the he's going to be the the guy to to pull Jack aside and be like, hey man, listen, just shoot the puck. Um, I don't know if that if that's what his executive hands on is like. You know, I don't know if he was that kind of guy as a player. Um, but if you know if that's how he wants to be as a GM, I mean. He's got that title for a reason. He can he can be that if he wants to, but but if he wants to take the hands off approach and and let the players and the coaches deal with that, I could completely respect that. So I'm going to ask you this question, and you know if you're not comfortable answering it, you can tell me. Uh, but I want to ask you about obviously about the Pagula's involvement with everything, mm-hmm. because the talk coming out obviously from the fan base is man the Pagula's are too involved. They're too involved. You know they have too much of a say. I was like, Kim Pagula, people are just trying to run her out of town. Uh, you know, people are calling for them to, to sell the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does blow my mind how one team that they own can be ran one way, and it seems like the other team that they own can't be. Maybe part of that is because they feel like they have the right guys now in Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott with the Bills. They're able to kind of take a step back. You still see – Terry Bagula down in the locker room after every single game, every video that is shown in the locker room, Terry's still in there. So, mm-hmm. you know, how much of that is just an owner being an owner and how much of that is just him getting involved more than he needs to be. Um, and then on the other side, on the Sabre side, it seems to me like they just can't keep their hands off of things and they have to have their hands in every little thing. Mm-hmm. You go back to the embedded episode, for example, they were in the room with the whole Taylor Hall conversation. Terry Bagula yeah. said, so signing signing uh, Taylor Hall makes us a Stanley Cup contender. You're far from it right now. Yeah. You know, so how mm-hmm. much are the Bagulas really involved in everything going on? Uh, I think they have, I think they've got their hands in a lot of stuff as far as the Sabres go. Um, I think that, you know, them hiring Kevin Adams was uh, a big show of that, honestly. Um, you know, the feeling was that when, uh, they they decided to keep that keep the GM hiring in house. Was that they they were kind of fed up with the NHL suggestions uh, as to, as to, as to who to hire and whatnot because you know they felt let down by that. Um, they, I, I don't know if they felt let down by by hiring Jason Mottrell or you know being directed in you know being put in the direction of guys like Dan Bilesmer or Phil Housley. Um, I don't know if that's if it's one or the other, or just the combination of all of them, you know, the NHL will lend, will, will lend suggestions. They won't tell you to, who to hire, but they'll point you in a direction. If you need, you're a team that needs help and you need some direction on where to go. They'll, they'll say, you know, listen, these are, these are guys that we think will, will be a good fit. Um, and it seems pretty clear that they, they've kind of followed along with that. I mean, they've interviewed everybody. They've, they've done things as they've gone. Um, and obviously things are, were a little bit different in how they handled, you know, in how they handled things while Tim Murray was in charge because they, they had, you know, Terry admitted uh, they had a more of a hands-off approach and that, you know, when the communication side of things with, with Murray and Bilesma kind of went off the rails there, they said that, you know, Hey, listen, we're going to be a little bit more, you know, we, we're going to be a little bit more involved in the conversations here. And that seemed to be a big part of that with, with Bottrell and, uh, uh, and with Housley, but um but I think now that, you know, they, they kept things in house and they hired Kevin away from, from working with Harbor center. And, you know, he was, you know, right under our noses all last season. He was, he was around quite, quite a bit more. We didn't realize why we were just like, you know, why is he, why is he hanging around the room? What's going on? We didn't know he was being groomed for, for being the GM for being the next GM anyways. But, um, but I think they I think they have a much more hands-on approach with, with the Sabres because, 
I, I think part of it is because they're trying to to, to uh, catch lightning in a bottle again with, mm-hmm. you know, trying to have the McDermott bean effect again and trying to maybe ham fist it a little bit. Um, and, you know, the Sabres house is on fire a little bit from that. It's kind of playing along with, I like it. with the I like local it. traffic. But, um, uh, but I mean, as far as how that comes off, I mean, it comes off terrible uh if they if they've got such a hands-on approach and that that makes you wonder where where that affects other decisions within the ranking you know within the ranks of the organization because if they have a if they have such a strong say about you know what happens with the gm what's to say that how, how that affects how they hire scouting how they do uh analytics department how they do Co- you know, development coaching, you know, how, what is their role with all of that? I mean, how many, how many people from Harbor center can they hire a way to fill all these positions? Right. You know, I, I say that tongue in cheek, but also that's, it's kind of how it's worked. And I mean, that those are the guys that Kevin knows and, you know, he wants to have his people in place, but right. The same, at the same stretch, you know, if this, if this whole thing continues to turn upside down, um, their idea that they may have had like this this think tank over at Harbor Center filled with the you know the, the greatest hockey minds might not might not exactly uh, fan out. Um, so I mean you know I understand if you want to keep costs down and you want to keep it in house, all right. If you got people that you trust to be in there, that's that's fu- that's all well and good, but they better be able to do their job well. And if they're just doing it to stay on the cheap. <sighs> I don't know, man. I that's that's not how you can run a major league sports franchise by just trying to keep it keep it on the cheap and keep it on the the who you know side of things. I mean, you have to get some people with some tried and true expertise in there to to right. to, to straighten things out. And if this gets to a point where things are so bad, and I mean, honestly, if I'm the Pagulas, I'm terrified about opening the arena on March 20th. And if you have all the same people in place. <laughs> 1,970 fans or 1,907 fans, whatever it turns out to be. Yeah, 1,000, you know, 1,900 fans are going to be in there mm-hmm. calling for your heads. They're going to be, you know, singing songs of, you know, of insult at the players. And a crowd that small, you're going to hear everything. Like, there is no way to hide that. I mean, you can crank the in-house volume up all you want to, but. There is there is no way to hide the the angst and disgust that's going to come from the fans if this is still continuing on. Then, if people even go to the game at this point, I mean, things are so. You bad know, people I mean, will. I mean, right. people are going to go. What's going on, right? People are going to spend the money to go. No doubt about it. Um, I just wonder so much, like like you said, once they're in there, you can't control what the fans do or say. No, you, know? you can take away their signs. That's about it. Right. That's about you it. Can't, you can't really take away their voice. You, but you talk you about try, but, hmm. yeah, I don't think that's going to work. Not a great look. No, no. I mean, you you, t- you talk about trying to run a uh, you know a National Hockey League team on the cheap. We heard all the reports earlier on in in the season as well. You know, er- earlier on in the whole COVID thing, where they're letting all these people go on both sides. Uh, you know, even from their their company PSE, mm-hmm. and then hearing how Kim more or less sent out a memo or said something in a meeting where. Their main thing is not to mess up the Pagula's lifestyle. They want to continue to make money to help the Pagula's lifestyle, and that was all they cared about. Um, I mean, is that still a thing, and is that still taking an effect on what they're doing with the Sabres? Is their lifestyle more important than helping this hockey team succeed? And, you know, the whole – the sole existence of this team is to win a Stanley Cup. They're not even close to living up to – Terry Pagula's mission statement the day that he bought this team 10 years ago. 
They're still sitting behind. They're still behind the eight ball. And in my opinion, they're worse now than what they were when Terry bought the team from Galisano. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They're very far off from, from being a, they're, they're very far off from being a playoff team. Never mind a cup contender. Right. Um, But the, the problem is, is that um, when you're looking at the, at the situation now, do you just want to make the playoffs or do you want to win? Or do you want to build something that's going to go all the way? And um, they're getting into that sort of bills territory from before where, where Bills fans would say, "Listen, just reset the counter. Just make the playoffs. I don't. We don't care if they lose by sixty in the you know in the first game. Just get back." Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, you're going to care if they lose by sixty in the playoffs. Right. Like, right. Nobody wants to get embarrassed or in the playoffs or don't score a touchdown or whatever. It might be. Yeah, like yeah, things like that. But, um, but if you build a team to just kind of eke into the playoffs, which last year's team kind of was, you know, and they weren't able to finish twenty fourth. Right. Somehow to make it to the postseason buzz, you know, to the to the bubble. So, um, which I mean, that's that's a butterfly effect thing that you wonder how that would have played out had they had they actually done that last year. Would would they have fired Jason Bottrell? Would they have done all these different things? You know, you know how how different would things be? But um, but that's a whole other discussion. But I mean, um, but yeah, if 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 their if their whole plan is is to is to win a Stanley Cup, they're they're not close. They're they are not close to it. They're not close in the goaltending. They're not close in the defense, um, and they're certainly not close enough on forward depth. And um, if they're going to improve on that, it's gonna it's gonna require a lot of help. I mean, they pointed towards you know drafting and development being a big thing, and then they fired most of the scouting staff. And like you know, it's a lot of what they've said has been set out of both sides of their mouth and that's a problem because you don't know what to believe and i think a lot of that you know at least recently is kind of funneled down to the coach where you know you know ralph is you know ralph says well you know jack got hurt in warm-ups uh he's not going to play and then you know jack plays the next game and says no i got hurt against new jersey okay <laughs> all right well which is it you know and you know it comes out that uh kevin adams had you know had spoken to uh, Jeff Skinner's agent, Don Meehan. And Ralph was, you know, Ralph said that he and Kevin are in constant uh, conversation about things, but he said he didn't know that that conversation between Meehan and and Adams had happened. So, you know, which is it, you know, it's always one saying one thing and doing another, and then saying something else about doing the other and then not meaning, you know, it's, it's just a chain of, of not being on point, not really, doing what you're saying ever it's not so much that it's lying it's just not following through on what's being said and what's being promised and you know you can you know you can say that your 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 only goal is to win a stanley cup but look what you put out on the ice every year since you've done that you can say um you know you can say all these things but it doesn't mean anything if you don't have any sort of follow-through on it or or a direction at this point i mean there's there doesn't seem to be any direction for it you said the last time you were on the show that you don't think let me see if I can word this correctly that <laughs> if Kruger if Kruger gets fired from coaching he's not going to be out of the organization he'd go and move into some kind of front office role whether that's you know president of, you know head of scouting whatever it might be um so let me ask you this two part question when uh, who who would be the first one gone? Kruger, Kevin Adams, or Jack Eichel? 
because you know there's so much talk about Jack Eichel right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 two, if Kruger does get fired, is it you know within the next after this weekend and with with the Islanders because I don't see things getting better against the Islanders. No. Or is it at the end of the season so that they can ease him into a role in the front office? And is that still an option? Um, as for, as for who would be gone first, mm-hmm. I think Ralph would be gone as a head coach first. Okay. Um, I do think he, I, I still do firmly believe that he would stay in the organization though. Um, in some, in some management perspective, I, I think the Pagulas trust him. Uh, I think they, I think he's able to, I think he's able to, he's able to, to put things in, in terms that they understand and that they respect um, in, in one way or another. Um, you know, obviously his financial background is something that they probably identify with very strongly. Um, and I think that his, his way of being able to break things down for them in ways to better understand the sport and the management side of things. I think those are, I think those are things that they, that they really take to um, now, whether it happens End of season, mid season. I mean, the team's going to show that direction. I think. Um, obviously, if they go the next three games, you know, if they score one goal over the next three games, you know, I, I'd say I'd say everybody should be close to their phones on Monday morning, right? Um, on how that goes, um, because that's. I mean, listen, the, the Islanders have owned them. You know they play the exact wrong style of game for 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 them to play against the way that they do. The Sabers are very not powerful offensively, and the Islanders are very stingy defensively. So um, hopes are not high <laughs> that they'll be able to turn things around this weekend. But um, but if it goes really ugly and they look lifeless all three games, you got to really strongly consider pulling the shoot um, because. It, it, it's a fact, you know, it's the fact that, you know, they look like crap and they're, you know, they're playing, they play, you know, if they play terrible, then, you know, you could, you could point out, you know, nine of the last 10 games or whatever that they, that they just look absolutely awful and mm-hmm. say, yeah, that's on, that's on you as a coach. But it's also a product of the fact that there's at least three coaches out there right now that you could put in, you could put in place of him and say that you've made an immediate upgrade. Uh, to the coaching position based on pedigree, what they, you know, what those coaches have been able to do and, and how they run a room, Um, you know, starting with Bruce Boudreau. I know some fans just say, well, he doesn't, he hasn't won a cup. He stinks, blah, blah, blah. Um, Okay, fine. You can say that, but every one of his teams has been successful. Um, Be it Minnesota, be it Washington, the guys just found ways to, to, to produce teams that can score goals uh, that can generate a lot of offense and control the play of the game. Like, you know, the, the fact that he was able to do that, you know, do so well at Washington, yeah, it's a product of having Ovi and, and Backstrom at the at the peak of their careers. But, you know, it was – those teams were pretty stacked. Um, and that he did it in Minnesota with, you know, yeah, Zach Parise and Miko Koivu and, and Ryan Suter. Like, yeah, those are great players to have. But you can look at Buffalo and say, well <laughs> – Look at everybody they've got on their roster right now. You're gonna tell me Bruce Boudreaux wouldn't have wouldn't be able to figure this team out very quickly? I think he would. Yep. Uh, I think he'd be able to push a lot of the right buttons very quickly. And you know, he's got the right sort of personality. Uh, where yeah, he's he's kind of affable and seems like a goofy guy, but um, I'll never forget. 
I'll never forget what Marcus Foligno said when he came back to Buffalo uh, with Minnesota. Uh, and he said it was eye-opening how much the standard was different in Minnesota. And that was with Boudreau. You know, how much the standard of losing was unacceptable. You lose one game and it was just like, you know, we got, we got, we got our, you know, asses chewed out. Right. For you know, for that, you know, the standard was different there, and it's like, well, the Wild have only been around for like twenty years. How is the standard different? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen the Sabers lately? <laughs> like Marcus, Marcus saw a lot of the Sabers and how, and how goofy things were were here. So, I mean, if anybody's gonna know it, it's him. So, um, so I mean, from that respect, I mean, he, he Boudreaux's an incredible coach. You know, same for Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant. Every time he gets fired, it's a weird thing. You know, the, the thing with Florida was bizarre where he gets left on the tarmac. You know, I'll never forget that. And, you know, him getting swept out in Vegas, you know, sort of out of the blue was very strange too. But Very early. I yeah. Know. Yeah. And, like, right after getting him to a cup final, nonetheless, you know, like, that seems strange. But um, but he's he's a coach that guys seem to really like. Um, I don't know. That, that, that seems like a good call. Claude Julien? He won a cup with Boston. You know, he the way he coached Montreal, and he got let go in Montreal for very bizarre, very b- bizarre circumstances. Montreal was winning, and they decided, like, nope, he's got to go. You lose a couple of games to Ottawa, I guess that'll happen. But, um, yeah. but I think Claude, I think Claude is a, is an incredible coach. He's he's demanding. I mean, he's he's tough, but the guy's smart and the guy gets results. Um, I mean, Boston and Montreal both, you know, Montreal was iffy for different reasons, but, um, you know, either Carey Price was on or he wasn't, or he was hurt. You know, the offense was either great or it was non-existent because they're all hurt. You know, it's, it, it's different things like that. But, um, and, you know, if John Tortorella doesn't last the season in Columbus, well, geez, they, they sure love bringing guys back that had connections to the Buffalo organization. Don't I can't me. imagine Jack Eichel would be a huge fan or a lot of the other guys would be a huge fan of having Torts here. But, um, you know, I, I know the reporters here would love it for <laughs> some instances, not most of them. But um, but I mean, he's but I mean, he's he's a guy who demands uh, respect in the room. No, uh, it's it's respect or you're gone. <laughs> um, which I think a lot of fans here would say, like, yeah, good, get him in there. But um, but I mean you can improve the coaching position right now. Like like without hesitation, you can you can improve it just by hiring any one of those first three guys. Um but you know, I think I think Ralph Ralph holds a lot of the attention of the, of ownership. And I think he's got, I think he is working on a very good partnership with Adams to get things squared away. So that's a much harder decision to make, you know, when you put it in that frame of mind. Um, but I mean, if it ain't working and the room has got him tuned out, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you gotta, yeah, you gotta make a change, but I mean, it, it would stick with the pattern of every two years, a, a new Sabres coach comes around. Um, because each of each of Nolan, Bilesma, and Housley lasted two years before they were toast, and this is year two for for Ralph. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to say the clock's ticking, but uh, it, it it if this were Peter Pan, this was this would be the clock in the the, the belly of the Gator, and and Captain Hook is is running for his life. Well, and truthfully, it would, at the end of this year, I mean, it would make sense, right? I understand you're in a shortened season, and COVID kind of changed your schedule around and all of that, and I get that, but you added a very good piece in Taylor Hall who's not performing. You're not getting a performance out of Jack Eichel. You're not getting a performance out of, you know, pretty much anyone. And you're you're favoring guys who should be playing in bottom six minutes, you mm-hmm. know. 
there's no reason why in the last two minutes or four, you know, four, four minutes of a hockey game, you're going to put the Opozo Eakin reader line out there over the Dylan cousins line. Like yeah. eight goals. Why are, why are they playing over Dylan cousins? And why is Dylan cousins sitting for the last eight minutes of a period? Yeah. Uh, the one thing I find interesting though, from what you said is, you know, the Bagula's respect for Ralph. If Ralph goes inside and goes to the front office, I mean, does that make anything better for the guys on the ice? I mean, I guess it depends on what role he goes into. Mm-hmm. You know, they make him, for example, like a president of hockey operations and, you know, or an assistant GM or something like that. Does that hurt, you know, Jack Eichel? Does that hurt Jeff Skinner? You know, does that make things better for them? I don't think so. You know, I feel like at that point he's too involved with everything going on directly with those guys on the ice still. And I don't know what the relationship is with them, with him. I've mm-hmm. heard that everyone seems to like him. Yeah. But maybe that has changed this year. Um, so I, I would be curious to see how those guys react. I mean, at some point, if you don't start winning, you know, I don't see them just trading Jack Eichel, just trade Jack Eichel. Like mm-hmm. that makes no sense. But yeah. at some point, if you don't start doing something and you continue to be the laughing stock, which they are right now, the laughing stock of the NHL, mm-hmm. how do you, as Jack Eichel, just be like, get me the hell out of here? Well, I, I, I think if you move Ralph, I, if it's a, if it's a thing where they like Ralph, but if his systems aren't working and his coaching, you know, his coaching isn't working, I think if you get him out of that position, you can you can have your cake and eat it too. Because if he's still around and the guys like him. I mean, that's fine. If he's in a different role and he's and he's handling things and boy, if he's able to keep, you know, ownership from being too hands on, I don't I don't think that's a I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, But if um, but if they but if the room has soured on him and it's it's impossible to know, we're not down there. We can't you know, we can't tell. We don't know. Um, The only thing we can judge it on is based on how they play on the ice. And if they're you know, if they're not sticking to his systems, that's that's a pretty big tell. But um but if you know if if they fired him and they liked him, you know if the players liked him and they fired him and they just got him out of the organization, um, I mean that's I mean that would be bad. But I would imagine that if if they like him, they would be sticking more to what he said. You know, it, it, this makes it sound like I'm just kind of dancing around the the entire topic, but it's impossible to know right. uh, at this point uh, without without having phone numbers of the guys and being like, hey, so how's things feeling today? And you know, hoping that they'll answer you back. I mean, there's, there's no way to know, but, um, and like I said that, you know, it's, it's impossible to to, to trust any sort of gossip that comes out um, because you don't know who it's coming from. Or if, you know, if it's somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, you know, how much of that is the game of telephone, you know, it's everything is taken with a grain of salt, but, um, but if you're Jack, um, I think what matters more to Jack is the results on the ice and, the direction the team's headed in, uh, which right now both are bad. Um, I mean, yeah, you get Taylor Hall and that's a, that's a, that's a good thing. Like that, that gets Jack pumped up playing with Jeff Skinner gets Jack pumped up uh, playing with Sam Reinhardt. Obviously he's a big fan of that too. Um, but if Jack wants to go, um, you know, maybe the canary in the coal mine for that is, is how they handle things with Reinhardt in the off season. Um, you know, if, if Sam gets the feeling that Jack's going to want to go, why is he going to stay? You know, why would he want to stick around here? Right. Um, which at that point, I think <laughs> at that point, you're going to hear a lot more about trade discussions with, with Jack, if that were to happen, but um, they need to find a way to keep Sam. Sam's been the one I feel like 
bright spot on this team this year. He's yeah. fun to always put pucks in the net. Um, you know, and and he's the one guy outside of you know, sure everyone can say Dylan Cousins, but he's the one guy that actually shows shows some emotion on the mm-hmm. ice. You know, he scores and he's excited to score. You know, something happens, he you you can see the emotion on his face. I always say mm-hmm. Victor Olson does something good. He's straight faced. Does something bad? He's straight faced. Like there's no emotion from Victor Olson. Even last week they had him on their Instagram, you know, showing them around uh, the day in the life of Victor Olson. No emotion from the guy. So I'm just trying to be with the guy. It's just a non-emotional type of guy. <laughs> I've seen I've seen him laughing and joking it up before, you know, okay. behind the scenes. Right. So I, I can confirm he he does like to have fun. He's a he's a, he's a good dude, but he's when it comes to hockey, he's, he's a serious guy. But okay. Um, but Sam, yeah, you're right. I mean, Sam's been nothing but good here. And, you know, and people will look at it. He's like, oh, he's a number two pick. He's got to be better than that. Like, well, I mean, he's like a 60-point-a-year guy. The last time the Sabres had a 60-point-a-year guy, they traded him to St. Louis, and he won the Cup the next year. So, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe not be so in a big hurry to, to throw out a guy like that. But um, but Sam's really good. I, You know, he gets dogged on, you know, wrongfully for for being bad defensively for for this that and the other thing and it it drives me nuts because the guy the guy's solid and he's adjusted his game as a pro i mean he was supposed to be a you know a you know number one center and you know this you know and he was supposed to you know be a captain and he was supposed to you know all these other things that they get from you know when you captain a a, you know a world junior championship team right and you know guys are so different from when they're 18 to when they become pros and you know, yeah, playing center, not great for him. He's he's not good at faceoffs. Um, you know, he's thirty five percent in his career at winning faceoffs. You can't do that. You know, I know faceoffs are very hit or miss with people, anyways. But thirty five, I mean, you can't you can't hack that. And you know what? He's better with fewer de- defensive responsibilities in the center of the ice. If he's playing on the half wall, half wall, and he's being able to to hang around in the corners and find feed guys away from there. He's got such a good hockey mind and he's such a good passer that he's he's able to do that. So that's play to his strengths. I think that's for all the things that you know you, you want to dog on guys like Bilesman and Housley. No, they leaned into his strengths. His strengths were to be able to feed guys from those positions. And then when he doesn't have the puck, get around the net, get rebounds, deflect pucks, do that, you know, do that kind of stuff. Because people don't don't expect it from him. You know, he's not a big body guy. He's not a Thomas Holmstrom type of player. Like he's he's not that kind of he's not that sort of you know body of a player. But he's strong. I mean, the guy <laughs> the guy can do stuff, and it's very rare when he's injured too. So um, I, I don't know what more you could ask of the guy. I mean, yeah, he might want forty goals a year out of him, but geez, he's very productive. But um, but yeah, like if you want, but like the way that the organization has kind of handled his contract stuff, every time his contract has come due, it's been very strange. Is you know, he I remember again this off season. I think he's RFA one more time, but at at his, I, I I think I might be, I might be totally wrong as I fire up Cap Friendly here. So yeah, so I mean, when it comes to Sam, um, yeah, I'm just taking a quick look just because I need to need to remember for myself. Yeah, he's RFA again this year, but then he's then he's UFA after that. But I mean, you know, like you you, you can't take a chance. You just absolutely cannot take a chance. And at this point, he's only going to sign a one year deal. Like uh, you know, unless Jack tells him, like, listen, dude, I I, I don't want to be traded. Stay with me. You know, stay here for stay here with me as long as we can. And let's do this. Right. Um, 
But I mean, if you're Sam, why would you do that? <laughs> if you got one more year till till your UFA, just take it up to that and, and see what you can do. Plus, things are going to be different economically speaking. You know, with Seattle jumping into the fray, the cap ideally should go up again in a couple of years. Um, you know, after it being in a holding pattern here for for COVID, but um, right. so there will be more money out there, but. But I mean, if you're Sam, are you that excited to, to sign long term right now after they've kind of, you know, you know, jerked you around for your last two times? Like, I wouldn't be. No, Either that or I'd be looking to hold it over their heads. And and I agree with that. I, the fact that they just and the way the NHL works, you know, with the, the UFAs and RFAs is just, you know, strange to me because you really don't get a say in anything until you're so many years into the league, mm-hmm. you know. And with a guy like Sam in particular. Again, he's been that one bright spot on this team, and he's been the constant. And I and and him and Eichel are just such a good pair with one another. You can't just get you you can't just dump Sam unless you said, you know, Eichel is going to say, "Look, I'm putting one more year in here, and I'm out of here." Mm-hmm. You know, if things don't get better next season, like I'm done, like I'm out. Um, I believe he's got a no movement clause that goes into effect in 2023. Jack does. Uh, right. after the 21-22 season. So, okay. so, um, so like July 1st, 2022, it probably starts, I think. Okay. So if they're going to move him and he kind of wants to have a say, I mean, it's got to be before then if they decide to or if Jack mm-hmm. wants to. More, I And I'd put it more that way. I don't think the Sabres move Jack unless Jack says, I want out. Like, you yeah. don't go and move Jack Eichel, right? Um. But the trade deadline is coming up, and we got a few minutes left here, so I want to ask you about that. The trade deadline is April, I believe. April. Now I'm getting the NFL free agency and and yeah. in the NHL. I think those dates are actually really close. Between. Yeah, they're really <laughs> close. I know free agency starts in a couple of weeks, starts the 17th mm-hmm. uh, of March, and I think free agent or um, the trade deadline in the NHL a few weeks after. But trade deadline is coming up in about a month, give or take. And there's two guys that I think. I, truthfully, I think Buffalo is going to be sellers. I don't think they're going to go into be buyers because there's no reason mm-hmm. to be buyers at this point. Is Eric Saul on this team after the trade deadline? Because I could really see them moving Dylan Cousins into that number two role. I think he's ready. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. I'm overthinking, but he looks comfortable. He doesn't look like he doesn't belong in this league, like you see with so many young players his age. Mm-hmm. Is 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 Eric Stahl here after the trade deadline? Is Brandon Montour here at the trade deadline? He's another guy in the last year of his contract who, you know, maybe it's just time to move on from because he, he has been a weak spot more so than, than what he has been a, a mm-hmm. positive on this team. And then what do they do at the goaltending position? Because we have gotten about an hour into the show and we haven't talked about the goaltending position whatsoever. Olmark's out for a month. Hutton, you know, has moments where it's like, man, okay, Hutton makes a great save. Then he has moments like last night with that third goal that it's just like, dude, make the save. And, and yeah. even, even the second goal, he was so far. I don't know why. Yeah, he, he got caught swimming. <laughs> he saw the defenseman coming across. Why does he continue to come out of the net? Like, mm-hmm. stay back. Um, and I don't think Johansson, on the other hand, he he's okay. I don't think he's going to be that answer. We talked about that the last time you were on the show. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's the future of the of this team, but I think Allmark maybe could be that number one or at least be that viable option until you can get uh UPL up here or or get the the kid from Michigan. 
up in the league at some point. Um, but I, Omar, I at least see positives in. The other two are iffy. So how does Buffalo go address the goaltending position? Uh, stall, you know, what do they do at the trade deadline at this point? Well, at this point, they should be selling. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Anything, anything that anybody that you don't think is going to be around next year, um, move. You know, if that means, I, I think, I think you're right about Stall. Um, if you want to ease Cousins into that role, and that's where you see him playing, mm-hmm. um, then that's the time to do it. Okay. Um, I think, I think that, I think that ultimately that 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 should have been like their sketched out outline before the year started. Cause they did need somebody behind Jack. Uh, they needed, they needed somebody as a veteran behind Jack, like no, without a doubt, you could not throw Dylan cousins into that role as, you know, start of the season and say, all right, kid, go get him in your first year. Right. Like, no, they did that to middle stat and it didn't work. Uh, and it back, you know, his development got stunted from it. I think cousins was, a was, is a bit more far, you know, was a bit further, more developed uh, the middle stat wasn't the same position, but at the same point, you can't do that. Um, right. So, uh, you know, at this point, I think Cousins is evolving to to a point where you can say, like, all right, we can move past Stall. If it's time for him to go, then he can go. Um, goaltending, I don't know that you're figuring out your future goaltending uh, for next season at the deadline. Um, I don't know that anybody's going to take Carter Hutton off your hands. I, I sincerely doubt anybody will. Uh, teams have apparently called on Jonas Johansson uh, because teams are looking for depth um, at their at their other positions, but. You know, if you move Johansson, you know you're you're basically telling Dustin Tokarski that uh, you're you're going to be on the taxi squad for the rest of the year, and that UPL is going to be playing every single game in Rochester the rest of the way. You know, I mean, you can bring Michael Hauser, you know, in as the back, you know, as the backup, that and that's fine. He's already he's already in the organization there, but um, so I mean, they 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 can do that if they want to. But the Sabers aren't in a position to give up goaltending at all, <laughs> no. Especially no. with Olmark out, like you're just not, you, you can't do that. You need to, they need to be adding somebody. If you're, if they're right now, I mean, at the deadline, and there's, you know, if they're forever out of it, then you know, who cares? You just, you, I think you just sit on it. But, um, but right now, I mean, they, they they've apparently been looking for goaltending for a little bit here, mm-hmm. um, and I know, you know, maybe about. I want to say maybe if you know a few weeks back there were some things floating around about maybe interest in Mark Andre Fleury to bring him in, uh, but Vegas is um, very happy they held on to him with uh, yeah. with Leonard being out uh, with his injury, but um, and he's he's Mark Andre Fleury still can be really good, um, you know Sabers if they were going to get Fleury the the move to the, the time to do that would have been the off season, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, you know, you know, what are you giving up? You know, what are you bringing it? You know, you know, what's the sweetener you're taking from Vegas to make it happen? You know, because that was a big salary. That is a big salary to bring on, but you know, it's also up to flurry if he wants to go to Buffalo too. I mean, he's got an, he's got a no mover or no trade. So uh, I can't imagine he would have been, I can't imagine he would have been too excited to go to Buffalo and, you know, from Vegas. So, um, but, um, but I mean, you know, for other guys at the deadline, I mean, yeah, Montour, I mean, the, supposedly been taking calls on him for a bit. I think they were trying to move him in the off season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why the, uh, the contract thing got a little bit dragged out RFA wise and, you know, he's UFA this summer. So I think if they part ways with him, I think they're fine with it. Uh, it's a trade that ultimately didn't work out. Uh, if Phil Housley had stuck around here, would have been very curious to see how he would have looked, uh, you know, another year under Housley. 
mm-hmm. uh, because I think he did play well those 20 games when he came over. But um, yeah, that's that's really unfortunate uh, because I I was I, I've been a Montour fan since he was in Anaheim, and I thought he he's a guy that was going to be able to, to to really jump in and uh, be a successful guy, but it hasn't worked here. And you know we can. You can say that's because of the defensive system, and you know that's why guys like Dalene and and Yoki Haru were struggling. You don't know he had to play his offhand all last season. Like there's just a cavalcade of reasons why it hasn't really worked out here for Montour. So that's that stinks. When it comes to Hall, though, I think you're in a position with Hall where I, I think Hall really likes Buffalo. I think mm-hmm. he would stay here. Uh, I think he would resign here, honestly. Um, I've heard that yeah. as well that there's mutual interest on both sides to, yeah, leave, you know, have stall here long, you know, longer than this season. Mm-hmm. But the money's got to be right. Yeah, you can't pay him eight million right a year. No, no, you can't. You can't pay him eight million a year. You, if you pay him six, yeah, uh, I think okay he would do. That. I think if you went three years, eighteen with him, I think that's you know, if if he really wants to stay here, I think that's a deal that can get done. Um, but I think at that point, though, you're 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 asking questions of okay, what happens to Skinner? Uh, are you able to move him? And what happens with Reinhardt and his future? Like those mm-hmm. those are the questions that come into play if you if you try to keep a guy like Hall after right. the year. If you can trade him with that sort of like wink and a nod and say like, hey, we'll talk to you July first afterwards. Uh, I think you know you can do that, um, especially if he really wants to be here. But the the risk you end up running is that you trade him somewhere and he likes it a lot more. Uh, and they, ha- if they have a lot of success and they go, you know, they go to the playoffs, they go deep in the playoffs, then that might be really tough. Um, but that's and not going to get much run. for Hall at this point, right? Like, no, I mean, for, for what his raw production is, no. Right. Um, but if you, if you have a team that has a smart analytics group, get pointing them in the direction. Right. Uh, I think at that point you could take advantage of that. Um, but I, uh, but I think at the just at the the raw point level uh, numbers, like you can just look at it and say like mm, throw him a third or a second, you know, a second if you have to, but don't give him any more than that. But you know, that's not that's not the return you're looking for if you're Buffalo. Right. And, and, and truthfully, I'm tired of this team, which I think has led them to where they are, um, just going out and continuing to want to build this team through the draft. That's not the way. That, that has been successful. It, it sure it worked in Pittsburgh. It didn't work in in yeah. Edmonton. It worked one year in in Edmonton, and they haven't been much better. And truthfully, I think Edmonton has a much better team than what Buffalo has, in my opinion. And again, my opinion, you got at, at least at least with their top six, right? Yeah. You you look at McDavid and you look at Drysaitel. Maybe they're not getting everything that they want to get out of out of Pliarvi there, but they still have a good team. And McDavid and Drysaitel could at least drive that team. Buffalo doesn't have much outside of, like we said, with Sam and and Jack right now, who can really drive this team to be much better. I think there's a lot of holes on both sides, on both teams. But if you can give me a uh, a McDavid and a Drysdale right now on the Sabres team, maybe that changes what Buffalo's doing and how Buffalo looks. Um, what do you? I mean, I'm just no, I, I'm going off of what yeah. I've seen. Everyone want to tweet out on Twitter all the yeah. all the you know, the Twitter GMs, right? Yeah. Um, I would argue that Edmonton's depth is about as good as Buffalo's. Okay. Um, uh, which is not good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, McDavid and Drysall are super elite. They, without question, McDavid's the best player in the league. Uh, Drysall is an offensive dynamo. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which hey great um they don't have anything outside of that i mean they their goaltending is piss poor uh their defense is not good um Puyarvi, i mean hey he's having a nice you know comeback year this year but they were ready to move on from him right <laughs> you know like he went to go play in finland last year just to get away from the entire situation so right. um so i yeah i'm I'm not crowning Edmonton. Yes, they're having success in that division this year, but I think Buffalo would be a bit better if they were playing in that division too. Right. I mean, look, um, Toronto's having success in that division. I mean, Toronto should, but yeah, a lot of success. <laughs> and Toronto's severely flawed too. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside mm-hmm. of their offense, I mean, every it's the same thing. It's bad goaltending, bad defense. That um, they just have, you know, it's nice when you have Matthews, uh, you know, Matthews and Marner uh, able to score at will. Uh, you have Joe Thornton able to distribute the puck to those two guys. That's nice. Um, and you know, you've got, you've just got guys that, that can play really great roles. So, I mean, that works, but you know, Montreal, you know, goaltending has been bad. Um, right. They're very inconsistent. Vancouver has been awful. Um, Ottawa's Winnipeg is, yeah, Ottawa's bad. Uh, Winnipeg is okay. I guess, you know, uh, Calgary is in an unbelievable slump right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it started when Markstrom went out with an injury, maybe a little bit before that, and now he's back, and they're still getting lumped on. So, and they're talking about making a coaching change there too. So, um, so yeah. So I'm not. I'm, I take nothing what happens in that division seriously by any stretch. I mean, Toronto can win the President's Trophy, um, and they can they can end up making it. They can end up making it to like the semi the the, the Stanley Cup semifinals, and whoever they play in the Stanley Cup semifinals will end up kicking them in the teeth. I think so. I, like, you yeah. know, or they can, you know, honestly, if they end up playing Edmonton in their division playoff, if Edmonton gets hot goaltending, Edmonton can knock them out. Um, Montreal, same deal. If Carey Price playoff, Carey Price shows up. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, good luck. <laughs> I love know, good luck. You can to, change it. You can change a series. I'd love for I, Toronto to get to the first round and just completely uh, craft the bed and, and, and not be able to do anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, classic Toronto was, playoffs, right? It happened last. I mean, they didn't even technically make the playoffs last year. Columbus yeah. knocked them out. So, yeah, yeah, you know, but you know, same thing happened to Edmonton. You know, Chicago right. knocks them out. So, right. You know that that's that, I mean that's basically where we're at with that division. But you know, but it's I mean, but as far as you know, as far as, the, as them compared to the Sabers, they're the same. They're the same team. It's just the Sabers score less. Um, right. And um, I think if Edmonton had a Linus Allmark, I think they would feel a lot better about things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And this, the same way the Sabres would feel a lot better if they had a kind of trying to find a guy that's <laughs> comparable improvement. I don't know, Oscar Clefbaum when he's yeah. really healthy. Like, yeah, maybe they feel better having him. I don't know about, you know, maybe Darnell Nurse. I don't know. Like, not like it, Adam Larson would improve them, I guess, on the fence. I mean, having had it, I would love for Buffalo to add Adam Larson to play with Taylor Hall just to make the memes be that much <laughs> oh more. Oh, my better. gosh. Could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine? But, uh, that, it's, um... that trade still <laughs> shocks me at the fact that yeah. that was a trade Edmonton made. Yeah. Well, that that whole day was mayhem. That was the day Stamco said he was signing with Tampa. Yeah. That was the P.K. Subban for Shea Weber trade. And then mm-hmm. Adam, uh, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. That was all one. That was all within, like, two hours of each other happening. Yeah. So, that was a crazy. And um, everyone thought for sure Stamkos was out of Tampa. Like for sure Stamkos yeah. was in Tampa, and sure enough, he stayed. Yeah. Every, well, there was a lot of people in Buffalo that thought he was going to be coming here too. So, 
Well, you know, the Sabres Twitter is a lot like Bill's Twitter that anytime a big free agent becomes available, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we want him. We want him right away. I'm like, all right, first of all, calm, <laughs> calm down. Not every player is going to come here, so stop. Uh, Twitter has just been a thing lately, man, especially yeah. with how bad the Sabres are. And, I mean, last and night. JJ Watt for the Buffalo. No, the whole JJ Watt. <laughs> um, Last night, though, I, I did find it funny that uh, Nate Gary tweeted out the video of the guy just continuing to shock himself, and I found that a lot more <laughs> than the Sabres game. I know you did as well. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's to the point that we're at with this team, and I don't see things getting much better this year. Um, I will be absolutely shocked, though, if we finish the year with um, – uh, if we finish the year with Ralph Kruger as head coach of this team. It's pointing that direction. I I, so. I I think if you had told me that before the year that Ralph would be gone by the end of the year, I'd say, boy, things went really sideways if that happens right. because he, he seems to be a guy that's going to be well well entrenched with the organization, um, which I mean, it still might be the case even if he steps down from coaching. I, I think that would be a case where he won't get fired. Like, he won't get fired from it. He'll just say, I'm going to step back from this and they're moving me up into the whatever position. Um, Can you imagine though Twitter that day when he says I'm moving up to the front office? Oh, like, well, people are going to lose their mind no matter what. Like, <laughs> if they just fire him, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, "Fire another coach! Wow, what's it going to affect?" <laughs> but if he steps up into the organization, they'll be like, "Ah, Pagulas!" Ah. <laughs> right, right. They'll be shaking their fists at the Pagulas. Oh, yeah. it'll be it'll it'll be a different f- ferocity with fist shaking, like what one way or the other. Right, <laughs> but I, I, right. I think at this rate, if Ralph gets fired, I think there will be a big sense of relief. Um, but if they end up hiring Mike Weber to be the <laughs> the coach afterwards, <laughs> bring him up out of Rochester, I think that that might ch- that might that might get everybody really mad again. Listen, man, at this point, I'm ready for them to bring in like Pat Colette as head coach. Like I feel like that's <laughs> hey, that that can happen too. Who knows, man? <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I I feel like that's what we're going to expect next. And I mean, maybe Colette gets this team going. I don't know. Like Dylan Cousins could maybe you know. Get get throw him in the ring with Coletta. Let them fight some more. I mean, maybe that's that's the way we're going now. Dylan Cousins is going to be the next enforcer of this team, and you'll get ten goals from Cousins a year, and everyone will be happy with not even ten ten points. We'll get two hundred penalty year. minutes, and it'll be great. Yeah, everyone will love it. That that's why you draft this kid so high in the draft. But uh, Joe, I appreciate you coming on and filling in for Nick. Uh, kind of give us a quick rundown what you're up to, where we can find you, and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be I'll be posting some stories over at Die by the Blade on SB Nation uh, soon, and uh, every Thursday you can catch me on that hockey show uh, with uh, with my with my boy Paulie. Uh, we've got a host of guys from across the nation: Steve Palumbo, Tab Bamford, uh, lots of voices there on uh, teams across the league, and and keeping tabs on every division. But uh, but yeah, good time good times always had there uh, every every Thursday. Excellent, Joe. Again, I appreciate you coming in and filling filling in for Nick. We are definitely going to have you back on again, if uh, probably around trade deadline, depending on what, what goes on before then. Yeah. You know, if, if Ralph gets fired, we might have to uh, have to have a quick uh, have to quick chat about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know. Maybe by Monday of next week, we may be calling you up again to, to have you fill in. But uh, I'll be I'll be ready for it. That in that case. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be waiting by my phone, like you said. Now, depending <laughs> on what happens this week, I will be sitting by my phone uh, throughout this weekend to see. I don't think I don't see things getting much better through Monday. And you know, if anything, when fans get back in that arena next week, there may be a mutiny 
I think the Pagula's got to worry about more of 1,900 fans coming after them more so than them booing the product on the ice. Yeah. That that or nineteen hundred fans with bags over their heads that that would be oh, pretty. Do those count as masks? Uh, I would uh, maybe as one of the two masks you're supposed to wear. Maybe okay. If you have a okay. have a mask on under under the bag, then I think you're I think you're double. I'd support that. I'll support that. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. Fine with that. But uh, Joe, again, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much, and we will definitely uh, chat with you soon. Where can they find you on Twitter? By the way. You can find me at my name, at Joe Yerdon, J-O-E-Y-E-R-D-O-N. Nice and simple. I like it. Joe, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Charlie. Take it easy. All right, everyone. Um, so great talk with Joe Yerdon. Uh, I thought Joe was obviously, as always, very knowledgeable as to what is going on with the Sabres, uh, all the – I don't want to say good because there wasn't a lot of good – all the bad stuff going on with that organization and, and you know, the, the laughing stock of the league that this team is becoming. I think we're a far, far way out of this team fixing things and it's not going to be an easy fix. Um, you know, in the words of Darcy Regeer, we still have some suffering to do with this team. And um, I don't know where the light is at the end of the tunnel right now. Um, with all of that said, Appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll have another show next week with another special surprise guest. Not sure who it's going to be. Um, maybe Nick's back. Maybe Nick throws me a curveball and, and and Nick's back on on the uh, on the show with me. If not, we'll, we'll we will have another guest lined up for you. Um, but again, you guys can follow myself on Twitter at Chawit sixty eight. Follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Veronica on Twitter or follow the. Follow the uh, Process Podcast on Twitter at the underscore Process Pod. Uh, we always like to hear from you guys, questions, comments, concerns. Uh, you know, even if you just need a place to vent, vent to us, talk to us, let us know what you think. Sabres, Bills, baseball's coming up. Give us your baseball thoughts. We want to hear it all. And remember to always like, follow, and subscribe to the Process Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, you'll be notified anytime that we get a new show posted. Again, thanks to Joe Yerden for coming on. This is the Process Podcast, and folks, remember to always trust the process.